Recorded live at Toxin Tasting Studios, it's the Clerical Errors Podcast. The podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. Let's go. From the Toxin and Tasting Studios, this is the Clerical Errors Podcast. The podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. I'm Bullhagen. This is Vicar. Welcome to the show. Yeah, busy week, lots of things going on. Yep. Snuck into the studio and uh, recorded an episode. Right on. So, uh... Here we go. Uh, we got some beverages. I'm having my trusty Tapo Chico lime. Yeah, you've done that one before. I don't know. I uh, to... <laughs> you have something different. What do you have there, Vicar? I have something kind of radical. So a uh, wife came home from uh, going out on a trip, and she brought home some pumpkin pie hard cider. So I don't know how that's accomplished, but I'm going to go ahead and have some of it. Using my kind of Boy Scout pocket knife to try to open it. There we go. It's going. It's going. Got it. So a very fall yeah. uh, flavor. It's probably pumpkin spice, which, you know, is like an affliction this time of year. Where, where did she find that? You know, I'm not sure. It might have been Aldi's. Okay. So here it goes. It's passable. I like it. It's, it has the pumpkin spice flavor in it that it says that it has. Does it, t- it sounds like it would taste more like apple pie than pumpkin pie. Yeah, kind of. That's a good point because usually when you get a hard cider, it is an apple cider of some kind, and so it and definitely. So, you, so you think you. Thanksgiving type spices with apple. Yeah, like if it didn't have a label on it, I wonder if I would have guessed pumpkin. I might not have. I probably would have thought I was having a spiced apple cider. Yeah, yeah interesting. No, I'm good. Okay. I'm good. I'll, I'll stick with my Tapo Chico. Okay. Hey, I have, a, I have a few questions for Hannah. Hannah's knows a lot about food. Oh, okay, good. Okay, and and I, one thing I've been getting into lately is I've been eating a lot of eggs. Yeah. Do you like eggs? Oh, all the time. If I can have eggs every day, I will, but the prices have been a little off-putting lately. Right. Right. I mean, they are can be expensive, but but here's a question, a couple of questions for Hannah. Okay. Okay. Uh, cause she's a di trained dietitian type thing. Oh, okay. So, um, what's the difference, Hannah, between all these different eggs in the grocery store? Is there really any difference between the eggs other than some chickens are happier than others? Yeah. Have like, you wondered that? I have. I mean, they have different prices. I know that. And sometimes different colors, sometimes different sizes, different brands. But I wonder once you open the egg, is it different than the ne- the one that had been next to it? Do you know what kind of got me into eating eggs? I don't know if this is interesting to the, the <laughs> listener or not. I don't know. I, I hope. Well, I don't know. Got to be to somebody. I'm interested <laughs> if that counts. This is what got me high in egg. An egg. Thinking about eggs is, is if you really think about it, like inside an egg, all the nutrients are there for an actual living chicken. Yeah. Like everything in that eggshell has the stuff to make the eyes, the feathers. The lungs, the beak, the bones, the internal organs, and then it it has the strength from those not only to have a working living creature, but mm. then it has it gives it the strength to break out of its shell. Yeah, but but isn't it the ones we eat have not been fertilized, so in a way there it's only half complete, right? So I wonder if because of that, maybe Hannah can tell us if there's a if well, we I said, mean. I mean, that's just the spark that causes everything else to grow, right? I like to think the, the, the male 
rooster is just more necessary, I suppose. But maybe you're right. Maybe he barely does anything. <laughs> Our contribution is somewhat minimal. <laughs> he just doesn't do all that much. <laughs> but but the point the point is the the point is I thought like so it's got to be good for the hair, the eyes, yeah, like everything because everything is encapsulated in that egg. But I don't know. Hannah, help me out. Right. It doesn't matter if it's cage-free, free-range, prairie-raised. Right. You know? Yeah. Does, does, if it's a happier chicken, is it a better egg? Or how about the color of the yolk? Because I've been told that, oh, if you get a farm-fresh egg, you can really tell it's a better egg because the, the yolk is a richer, darker yellow. than. And I don't know if, I don't know if that really matters for the protein or the, or the nutrients in it. So, for example, Hannah, I've been having for lunch uh, about five. About five eggs. Is that a lot? That <laughs> sounds like a lot. <laughs> when I said every day, I was in the you know on the order of two and maybe three if I go get an omelet. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, you know the thing is, you know, with my diet restrictions, I've mm. I've gotten dangerously uh, low weight, like two twenty. <laughs> right. Oh, you gotta be careful. <laughs> right. Right. And so I'm kind of want to you know want to eat enough. I figure, well, if, going back to well, if it creates a whole chicken, yeah, you know. And, you know, like during my life, you know, and I'm, I'm super old and stuff, but during my life, there was a time where we were basically told eggs were bad for us because they had cholesterol in them. And I think the science has kind of turned the corner on that to where now just because something has cholesterol in it that you've eaten doesn't necessarily lead to cholesterol in your bloodstream. As so that, that's, what, that's what I wanted to ask Hannah. Yeah, Hannah should tell us, because what do I know? So, right, yeah. right. So <laughs> Hannah, my wife is concerned if I eat a lot of eggs that my cholesterol will go up. And at my old age, it probably isn't good for me. <laughs> so yeah. is that something I need to be worried about, Hannah? We need to know. These clerics are seeking to confound you, Hannah. Yeah. Help us out. What do we <laughs> know, need to know about eggs? Yep. That was random. That's random. But, you know, it's uh, it's relevant to me. I, I want to know that answer, too, because I'm treating treating it uh, at my food selections as if eggs are not harmful to me at all that I can have them as much and whenever I want. Right. And and my wife is patient because when I make it, I, f- I f- like fry them like five eggs mm. and I just get the plain yellow mustard and I just... <laughs> I used to do that on scrambled eggs. It's been a long time. but Yeah. And it's just this, <laughs> this yellow mess. And yeah. she says, I can't sit next to you when you're eating that. I have to eat at least, you know, kind of <laughs> like... Uh, Social distancing. I have to right. social distance about at least six feet away from her when I eat I see. these. I, don't, it's, I think it's a combination of the smell, the mustard, the way it mm-hmm. looks, and then that that mushy noise that, <laughs> yeah. you know. You know, one time my son-in-law did me a grave disservice by saying, yeah, I don't like scrambled eggs. They smell like a wet dog. And I wished he had never told me that because I used to only eat scrambled eggs until my son-in-law made that comment. And it probably doesn't really smell like a wet dog. But after he said it, I couldn't shake the feeling that it did. So now I have mine, uh, let's see, over easy, I guess, is my typical thing now. Uh, (laughs) Unless unless you like wet dog. Well, yeah, if you like the smell of a wet dog, maybe you'll switch to scrambled eggs. So so we'll we'll hold on. We need to talk about the text, but we'll hold on to this because... Um, I, I'm going to revisit this egg thing for my top 12 list. <laughs> that? <laughs> that sounds great. Like a dozen eggs, right. right? Top 12 eggs in the dozen or something. 
<laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah, the dirty dozen. Ooh. <laughs> well, uh, well, yes. Must be farm fresh if they're the dirty dozen. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Vicar, what are you preaching on? You're preaching this Sunday. So. I am. So it's the Holy Gospel according to Matthew chapter 9, and it's another healing miracle. So I'll go ahead and read it. Getting into a boat, Jesus crossed over and came to his own city. And behold, some people brought to him a paralytic, lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. And behold, some of the scribes said to themselves, This man is blaspheming. But Jesus knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he then said to the paralytic, Rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and went home, When the crowds saw it, they were afraid, and they glorified God, who had given such authority to men. All right. Uh, Peter, uh, I've just got a a brilliant idea. I want to combine this, what you're preaching on, with a confound the clerics. So what do you think Peter should do? Peter, play the intro. Confound the clerics. All right, this is because we're kind of going through like a, a list of things we're going to do, and we're, we're going to grab a question from the LCMS subreddit. Yeah. Whatever that means. I'm told that's something on Reddit. I don't, <laughs> I'm, you know, every once in a while I might check Reddit, and so what I'll do is I'll get on my Google and I'll search something in Reddit, and that's that's as far as I go. Right. But you, you mentioned that there, I asked there that there's a top question there that I want us to answer this according to the text you just Red. Oh, that's a okay. A restriction because you kind of gave me like a quick little like a ten second review of what this question is, and I think that uh, we could be able to answer her question or his question. I don't know. Right, we don't know from uh, our text. So, Vicar, could you read this question? Certainly. Okay. The title of the question on the LCMS subreddit is "Why is God allowing this to happen?" I am watching a beautiful family member go through the gauntlet, two strokes, and is now essentially mentally handicapped, a feeding tube in the stomach, unable to walk, partially blind, roaring tinnitus and hearing loss. Why? Why on earth has God allowed this to happen? What is going to happen to me? Do you have any idea how much of a sinful human I am? If God will do this to an older woman, what the hell is going to happen to me? What about scripture? What about God's promises? What about the healings? What about God standing by his people? Does it mean anything? Am I just wasting my time on Sundays? I have prayed and prayed, and nothing is happening. All right. So, you have vicar. Uh... I guess I'm going to ask you. Okay. All right. To answer her from what you know from the text. Okay. So first, she's asking why. Right. Okay. So 
What would you, I will first of all explain for both the person that she's talking about and her, herself or himself. Right. Um, so the loved one and her, what is their greatest need? Okay, without any doubt, especially from uh, in light of the reading of the gospel for this morning, the most urgent need for both people is the forgiveness of sins. And we see that uh, in the order in which Jesus addresses the man who's paralyzed. He doesn't heal him right away. It's a very, it stands out, in fact, how he does not heal his body immediately. Instead, he announces to the paralyzed man that his sins are forgiven. And I think that's because it was, in fact, his greatest, right. most urgent need. He, he says to him, son, take heart, your sins are forgiven. He does. That's what he says So, to So him. we'll start there. To, mm-hmm. So because she goes on to say, well, what about me? Right. If this beautiful person happens to her, right. What does it what does that mean for me and my sins are great? So yeah. the first thing, right? Cuz that's her question. It if is. if uh, this happens to her, well, I'm a greater sinner than this other one. What's going to happen to me? So the first thing we say is, what does Jesus say? Take heart. Take heart. Your sins are, are forgiven. forgiven. And that's that's a good place to start because um, when you, if I think about this in terms of law and gospel, this person who wrote this, we'll, we'll just say it's a she just so we can consistent in the way we talk about it. She is obviously terrified by the law. She's terrified by the consequences of sin that, that occur to people in this life, the sickness, the aging, and ultimately death. So I think the, the writer of this question is ready to hear the gospel. Take heart. Your sins are forgiven. So, so what else I think you can say is this one of the, the what's the latest revelation about this text that we talked about? Right. Yeah. What an insight. We were talking together about what might be written in the sermon for this text. And we talked about how when Jesus tells this man his sins are forgiven, he says that out loud in the presence of the scribes. Men who will want to kill him for saying such a thing, right? So Jesus is forgiving this man's sins uh, and doing it in a way that will lead to the accusation of blasphemy. And of course, ultimately, that is the charge leveled against him in his trial during Holy Week. And he is killed for telling people their sins are forgiven and other types of things that they call blasphemy. So he is signing his own death warrant in effect. And, 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 And signing it also in this way. When they ask, who has the authority to, to forgive sins? Well, Jesus, that authority comes through his death. Yeah. So to say, your sins are forgiven, he is saying, don't worry, take heart. I am going to bear your sins upon myself. Take heart. I am going to take your, your sins and your wounds and your brokenness upon myself. I will take them to the cross with me, right. and I will be buried with those sins. So, and this is going to play out in the answer too. Okay, okay yeah. Right. So, so as as Jesus says, "Your sins are forgiven." Take heart. He's saying, "I also am going to bear all of this for yeah. you." So, right. so to answer this question is is when you think of your loved one, going referring back to the question, right? Uh, you have a God who understands because the the one who was on the cross had no sin. 
Right. So the only way that you're going to understand a situation like this is the cross. Yes. If the cross is understood, that's the only way you could ever begin to understand this. God allowed his own son to suffer and die for our sins to forgive them so that what your loved one is going through isn't the final answer. So that what she's going through uh, is just uh, a breath when it comes to the everlasting life that God has promised this person. Right. That this episode teaches us that uh, we are citizens of the world to come. And so when Christ Jesus, for the sake of the kingdom, for the sake of, of restoration eternally in his kingdom, uh, went through his great suffering and death, and, uh, and when you talk about his suffering, you have to talk about his whole life. Because imagine being uh, righteous in an evil world where, uh, you know, we have certain sins that just disgust us, right? Yeah. Right? Well, imagine being Christ who knew no sin, how every sin hmm. was to him. Like his whole life was a cross. His temptations is a cross. His birth was a cross. He fleed from his first life his very, from the very beginning because when you're dealing with sin, it is a bloody battle. And these times, and I, I will assure you that uh, in this process of your loved one, that this cross in a way prepares us to understand this. Uh, you wouldn't believe in the, the, the couple of hundred funerals I've been a part of, Oof. of this is when someone goes through this, okay, when, when someone's called to glory, the, the joy of, of hearing and understanding, wow, they are with Jesus now. Right. He is with Jesus. She is with Jesus. And the relief of knowing that. And this prepares, this great cross prepares our hearts and our minds for the resurrection. And so I would answer then too, first of all, uh, uh, the forgiveness of sins is your greatest need. Because yeah. that's the only thing that lasts for eternity. Two, Jesus understands because he was himself sinless, without sin, who suffered and died greatly for our sins from the very beginning mm-hmm. to the end. When Jesus forgives sins, it is a proclamation of his death for you. And so although we, he allows certain things like this to happen, it, 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 uh, it doesn't nullify the promises that he made. Right. And the Bible is honest. The Bible is filled with people who went through all sorts of heartache and pain. The Bible leans into this. We have an entire book of Job where he suffered <laughs> right. so, and the Bible just ignores it. It doesn't try to whitewash it. He, he, the Bible leans into it and says, this is how it is, and uh, this is how God answers it. And God does provide hope and peace in the midst of this simply by his mercy. And so, um, and so while he does allow us to bear a cross, and sometimes they're very great, hmm. it doesn't nullify his promises. And you hold on to what Jesus says we hold on to when he says to the paralyzed man, son, take heart, your sins are forgiven. Because in the rest of the reading, you'll notice, the rest of it is just to simply show that he has the authority to forgive sins. Right. Yep. You know? And so, so that we can know without a doubt that he has the authority to forgive sins, he said to the man, Pick up your mat and go home. Yes. And no, that's so, awesome. So, so uh, I thought that would be a good lesson for you, Vicar, as I just put this together and how to answer it and how, because that's how sermons are written too. Yeah. 
right? Right. And this is a, even though maybe not worded this way, it's kind of a question that we run into on our visitations too. Like, you know, when when will the Lord take me home? I'm ready to go home, and uh, and yet I'm still here and having physical difficulties. We've heard similar questions in some of our visitations, not worded this way, um, but but it is one thing that I like to try to re- I I really like to remind myself of this while right now I'm physically healthy, no real complaints in that regard. So I try to remember during these what I would call good times that um, that. I could have some bad things happen someday, and I have to be thankful for the good days and thankful for the hard days. And I know for sure that God will fulfill all the promises of health and healing, uh, even happiness, but I might have to wait for it. And, and I, the other thing I would say to answer this is, her question specifically, is, is, is to trust in in the Bible above and beyond how you feel about it. Yeah, that's right? true. Yeah. And because, uh, uh, you know, the devil is seeking to to allow this to drive you to despair. Right. And to question God and to question his goodness. But what, what the beautiful thing about, uh, because I'm sure this is on the LCMS subreddit. Yeah. Right? To, to what Lutheran theology does is, is to, to trust in what God says rather than how you feel about it. That's very Lutheran. That that the reality of the situation and truth is not just uh, the cross that you bear. The reality is also in the resurrection that you bear. And that's what faith is. Faith holds on to promises that you can't see. Right. You can't see with your eyes the fulfillment of this. You can't see an end to it. You can't see any good that might come from this. And we're not asking you to see that good. We're asking you to see in faith what God has promised. Yes. That uh, that uh, the sin that is a cause of all of this, you know, um, uh, is answered by Christ. And fulfillment of that comes when he raises us from the grave. Right. So, so in the midst of this, you might feel bad about this, but what does Jesus promise to you when he feeds you his body and blood? What promise did he make you when he, he, you were baptized in the name of Jesus? And, uh, and how we, we come to church like that paralyzed man, supported by our loved ones, our friends who yeah. brought that paralyzed man there, who help us carry these things in our burdens. But also how, uh, how we come to church, as you mentioned, it feels empty, but God treats you here just like he treated the paralyzed man. Your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Take heart. Take heart. Because I think a lot of times we nullify that or we think, oh, that's the easy part. No, that's the only part. Yeah. I mean, Jesus even had that same kind of comment to the scribes, which is easier to say. And it's an interesting comment, that he, the, a question that he poses to them. And so then he does the so-called hard thing, by which was not hard for him at all, and healed the man as well right. to, to demonstrate that. Because it's interesting, which is easier to say, because, well, when he's, like we said earlier, uh, for Jesus to say those words, God had to come to this earth, take on human flesh, be incarnate, bear all of our sins, yes. fulfill all of God's law, even being circumcised, fulfilling the law for us on our behalf, hmm. doing everything perfectly, and then dying with those sins, uh, satisfying the Father's wrath, uh, uh, giving us his righteousness, his life, his sonship 
to us, taking our death, our grief, our shame, our guilt, our hell, our damnation upon himself. And all of that had to happen. It wasn't easy for no. Jesus to say that. As, as Vicar mentioned, it was sealing his own death. By yep. saying those words, he, all the things, those things had to happen. So when you go to church, uh, writer of this question, <laughs> you know, uh, the hard thing, the most gut-wrenching thing, the most, the greatest need that we have and the hardest to fulfill, it took all those things to happen, God grants to you. Amen. So uh, that's how I would use this text right, to answer that question. That is interesting because we talked about it a little bit. I didn't even hear the whole question. Right. I said, oh, maybe we could tackle this. But then I thought, well, let's do it based on the text because yeah. I think it just falls right into what, what was going on. It does. And I, and I like that explanation like, that there was nothing easy about forgiveness of sins. It's the most profound thing and the most amazing miracle and, of all time. And by the way, I, I, I imagine the question that the writer of this question has might be the same type of question that those who are carrying this paralyzed men to Jesus were thinking. Yeah. Yeah, it could be. I mean, you know, uh, you know this 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 poor guy. You know, who are we? Yeah, yeah. If, well, if this happened to him, and maybe they thought of him as a, a very pious, good man, what's going to happen to us if this happened to our friend? He's paralyzed all these years, or, or however long we don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, which is actually a point I kind of wanted to make about the about the text and to the question at hand here that who knows how long that man was paralyzed. You know, her loved one, If the, and the question is going through a, a hard physical time right now with strokes and and some mental handicap now and feeding tube, all the things listed in the question. But, uh, well, how long was the man paralyzed before? I, my, my guess would be not very long. Because, oh, really? Okay. Because uh, uh, all the technologies that we use to keep someone alive, they didn't have. That's a good point. You know, exactly. depending upon where the, the you know, uh, you don't... If you're having trouble breathing, hmm. if you are worried about all sorts of very strong health issues that comes with being paralyzed, okay, right, oh, would make point. me think that it was probably soon. You okay. didn't have someone live, I don't think, 20 years being paralyzed, not knowing the medical stuff that we know now, not having the technologies that we have now. That's fair. But there are other miracle accounts during the season of Pentecost where somebody who had been, uh, say, blind from birth who had suffered with a malady for a really long time uh, and then was healed on earth by a miracle. Uh, Some of us may suffer a malady for a really long time here on earth and then we'll be healed in the resurrection. And the question was asked, by the way, to Jesus, why was it that this man was born blind? Who sinned? Yeah. Which also answers this this person's question. Because, and, and Jesus said it was so that the glory of God might be revealed in him. It wasn't necessarily for a specific sin. No. And just like Job, who we referenced earlier, it wasn't for a particular sin that all those bad things happened, but for the glory of God. We, maybe that answer we don't like very much because it seems maybe from our perspective, things can seem really random, but we can't stand in judgment over God on the issues like this. And, and the death of Jesus teaches us that there is no crown without a cross. Hmm. You know, when, when the devil tempted Jesus and said, just fall down to me and I will give you all these kingdoms, mm-hmm. uh, he, what he was basically saying, I will give you these things. You don't have to suffer. You don't have to die. 
he was offering Jesus a kingdom without a cross. Mm. And so, I mean, that's what we want, but that's not what we're, right. we're given. That's what we want. And I'm sure there were people that would prefer the, the healing miracle. They would think they would prefer it over even the forgiveness of sins because they see it as the most immediate need. Somebody is sick. Well, that's uh, that's temporary. And what we need are eternal solutions for the root cause of the problems. All right. Well, that answers the question. It gave us a chance to talk about the text. It did. And uh, and there you go. Does that, does that help you feel comfortable, Vicar, when you get questions like that? It helps. I think it does a lot. As a vicar, I haven't encountered these types of questions too much yet. But uh, in the short time that I've been vicar here, uh, these types of questions have come up already. Uh, like worded differently, but in essence the same. Why are bad things happening? Uh, and it, so it makes sense that that would be a common question from from the faithful to try to wrap their heads around the apparent maybe uh, tension between the miracles that we read about in the Bible and the things that we suffer in this life waiting for the resurrection. All right. Well, that brings us to our top 12 list, Vicar. Ooh. Uh, Vicar? Uh, let's see. Well, I feel like I already said play the intro earlier. Is that that was a different intro? It's a different intro. Okay. Yeah, we're we're kind of a fast-paced, multifaceted show. We have lots of intros, Vicar. Oh, oh. I'm not sure, Vicar, if you ever actually listen to any of your episodes <laughs> to know what's going on. It yeah, might keep you so busy in your yeah, big so fancy job as a vicar, you can't <laughs> listen to the show once in a while. Come I, on. I, I think I've heard two of them. Eat your eggs. Let's go. <laughs> okay. Peter, play the intro. Enough nonsense. It's time for Bullhagen's Top 12. All right. So, uh, because eggs was on my mind, and be- I have a top 12 list about eggs. Nice. All right. The top 12 eggs in the Bible. Now, I've written some down. I don't know if I actually... <laughs> there might not be 12. <laughs> I'll have to just say some of them twice. <laughs> I'm not sure that if I have 12... But uh, I listed some, and uh, I never get the numbering right anyways. Yeah, that's true. So, (laughs) Number 12. This is from Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 6, which is, this is interesting. So this is Deuteronomy, this is God's laws, Mm -hmm. and really kind of civil law type stuff, okay? Whereas he gives them the law. So uh, I find this actually kind of interesting. And it says... If you come across a bird's nest in any tree or on the ground with young ones or eggs and the mother sitting on the young or on the eggs, you shall not take the mother with the young. Wow. So we shouldn't eat chicken with egg on it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. That's, oh, they have a little egg on your face then, wouldn't you? (laughs) Yeah. It wouldn't be what it's cracked up to be, Victor. Oh, painful. (laughs) I think I have done that before, though, and it seemed weird to be eating chicken and egg together. Right. How's that different than a cheeseburger? Well, yeah, you make a good point. (laughs) Because there was no egg, I suppose. (laughs) That's right. Beef eggs aren't very good. No. Um, So, I don't know. I thought this was interesting in the fact that I think Part of it was, is one, God showing care for his creation. Yeah. And I think another is, 
is protecting the food source. Yeah. Don't wipe out the entire food source. Right, right. You know, let the mother continue to. Mm -hmm. And if I remember correctly, I just have the verse in front of me. Uh, I think there's more to it. Do you have the whole? Let's see. I I mean, I I have it up on the computer here. I'm going to see if I can find it. Is there a verse (laughs) 7? I believe that such a thing exists, yes, but hold on. (laughs) Oh, it's not. I am humbled by your faith, Victor. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to have to like open a new tab and just type it in because it's not. So we're going to look up Deuteronomy chapter 22. So listener, uh, we're still beta testing (laughs) 19.0. Yes, verse 7. You shall let the mother go, but the young you may take for yourself, that it may go well with you. And that you may live long. So yeah, protecting the food source, I think, is a great way to interpret that. Right. So I think it's a reminder that we... Now, Hannah, according to your question then, Hmm. maybe does this play into how you're caring for the the chicken and the egg? Is there any, in your estimation, (laughs) on how we should be caring for chickens and eggs and prairie-raised, range-free, cage-free? Does this... I want I want to know your opinion, Hannah. You're the you're, you're the ex- expert. Uh, we gave her a chicken and egg problem. <laughs> Number eleven. Uh, this is from Proverbs, uh, chapter twenty-seven. Like a bird that strays from its nest is a man who strays from his home. From Proverbs twenty-seven eight. Okay. So uh, Proverbs, obviously written by. The wise Solomon giving us, uh, do you have any context you want to add to that as, as you find it? it? Well, I'm looking at it, but a lot of times, of course, the Proverbs are one-offs boom, one boom, at a time. Boom, boom, yeah. boom, Kind of pithy statements. So just before it, faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse. Oh, wait, I might be in the wrong chapter. 27. Okay, okay here we are. Right before it, one who is full loathes honey, but to one who is hungry, everything bitter is sweet. So it doesn't seem to be related. It seems like it's a, a one-off as well. But uh, so a bird from his nest is not protected, right? Yep. It's placed in danger. Also, often maybe wandering from responsibilities right? as well. And you, you can think of the nurse, the nest here in terms of home. You can think of it in terms of also from, uh, from uh, those who care about you, being placed in a family, in a church family. Yeah. Uh, and and how uh, um, in in a nest situation uh, there's protection and there's responsibility, hmm, right? You know, a, a nest is a kind of a communal thing. That's where the children are raised. That's where uh, um, you find protection, sanctuary. Ah, I like it. Right? Sanctuary. You yeah. find sanctuary from from cold and predators and those who seek you harm. Right. Uh, and uh, I think that this this passage is a good way to think about your church. It is, and there's an oughtness to it, right? This is the place the bird ought to be, and right. it's the best place for the bird. You know what's what's interesting? I'll, I've, I've noticed over the years, every vicar has used the word ought more in one year than I have used in my entire <laughs> lifetime. I don't know what it is. Uh, it might come up through our classes on. Uh, oh, I'm going to forget. Um, the one I was still taking when I showed up here and I had two papers to write. Okay. Ethics, that's what it was. And so we learned what ought to be done. Okay. <laughs> Number 10. 
from Genesis chapter 6, uh, verses 15 through 22. I'll have this. You don't need to look this one up, Vicar. I have everything here. Okay, good. This is how you are to make it, referring to the ark. The length of the ark, 300 cubits, its breadth 50 cubits, and the height 30 cubits. Make a roof for the ark, finish it uh, to the cubit above, and set the doors of the ark inside. Make it with lower, second, and third decks. For behold, I will bring a flood upon the waters to destroy all the flesh, which is in the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die, but I will establish a covenant with you, and you shall come into the ark, you and your sons and your wife, your sons' wives, and with you, and everything of all flesh, and you shall bring two of every sort into the ark and keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female, of the birds according to their kinds, and of the animals according to their kinds, and every creeping thing around the ground, every according to its kind. Two of every sort shall come to you and keep them alive also, and take them with you every sort of food that is eaten and mm. store it up. It shall serve as food for you and for them. Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. So, remember how I said uh, in an egg what amazed me about it? Yeah, it had the entire blueprint for a whole chicken inside of it. Right, and all the nutrients, yeah, everything. And the ingredients, yeah. Right. And that, that reminded me of the ark. Yeah, Right. Well, that's great, yeah. Now, the ark, all of life, yeah. everything that breathes, everything that moves, and God kind of set this, and, and if you think about a worldwide flood and, and how this, this delicate egg floating right. on those waters, holding life in the midst of it, everything needed mm. for God to spring forth life and to fill the earth again and to repopulate the world and all those things right. uh, held in that little egg. And we often think of the Ark as the sanctuary, uh, a model of the sanctuary of the church as well. Through, like, yeah, like yeah. Luther's flood prayer. Yes, like that. Keep us safe in the Ark of the church. Because everything necessary yes, for life uh, is contained in the church. Eternal life. Is that your favorite so far, Vicar? I, I like that one because I feel like I wouldn't have thought of it on my own. And so I, can, I appreciate the, the insight that there's a relationship between the ark and an egg. There you go. <laughs> Number nine. Uh, for Matthew 11, Come to me, all you who, are, who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you oh. <laughs> and learn from me. <laughs> for I am lowly and gentle in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Oh, yeah, that's equivocation. There's not a lot of eggs in the Bible, so I had to... <laughs> what do you think about that one? Well, it's funny, because uh, I guess, like, to make an omelet, you got to break a few eggs. So that's what we've done here. <laughs> so uh, I kind of like this one, uh, just because... Uh, the rest and the comfort that we have in Jesus. And obviously it doesn't truly reference Jesus not talking about egg yolks here. Of course. But he is showing how he carries the burden for us. So that was number nine. Number eight. Uh, from Isaiah chapter 10, verse 14. My hand has found like a nest the wealth of all peoples. And as one gathers eggs that have been forsaken... So I have gathered all the earth, and there was none that moved a wing or opened the mouth or chirped. Interesting. Um, do you have the context of that vicar? I'm working it up. Because on this one, I was just so lazy that I just, Googled, I just searched 
egg. So right, it right. mentions eggs. Yes. Um, so the context probably starts in verse 12 when it says, When the Lord has finished all his work on Mount Zion and on Jerusalem, he will punish the speech of the arrogant heart of the king of Assyria and the boastful look in his eyes. For he says, and there's a whole saying leading up to, my hand has found like a nest the wealth of the peoples, and as one gathers eggs that have been forsaken, so I have gathered all the earth, and there was none that moved a wing or opened the mouth or chirped. I don't know if that helped much, <laughs> but that's a little bit of the context. Okay, so, well, one is, what I like about this, first of all, is is uh, it's interesting how often God uses nature-type images, Yeah. right? The image of eggs being gathered, right? Right. And, uh, you know, we talked about a nest being a home. Right, it is. Right, and him gathering the lost and the forsaken? Do you think that's maybe what it's talking about, Vicar? Well, that was my first thought, at least, that he's finding the treasures of the people of God. Um, and so he's saving the people of God by gathering them from the earth. That's how I read it uh, with without a deep study. That's what I thought was going right. on. Well, well, we ha- I'll say we haven't put a huge deep study no, we guess we didn't. Number seven. This is from Luke chapter 11, verse 2, where Jesus is teaching about prayer. And he said, if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? Right. This is on a section on prayer where Jesus talks about uh, asking the Father, asking, and it will be given to you. Um, God, how God gives you as your father, everything you need that he cares for you. So if you ask your father for an egg, will he give you a scorpion? No. No. Now the question writer might have a, what, what, what if, what if, all right, this is a good question for you, Vicar. Okay. Go back to the Reddit question. Okay. On it. Right. She might be thinking, oh, I've been asking for an egg. I've gotten a scorpion. Right. How would you answer that? I know how I would answer it, but I'm waiting for your answer. <laughs> I know you are. I'm thinking. Um, well, my thought is relative or related to what we just talked about. That in, in, as a baptized Christian, she has the forgiveness of sins, and so she has the most important thing, the egg, as it were. And uh, the thing that is the affliction in this life is is very temporary. Uh, you know, could be a scorpion or a cross uh, that you bear in this life, but the, the fulfillment of the promise is coming. There will be ultimately nothing but eggs, so to speak. Right. I mean, the egg, for example, and when we pray the Lord's Prayer, we've said this often on the show, which of the things in the Lord's Prayers does God refuse to give you? Right answer. Oh, yes. The total silence, because I was thinking really hard about, well, I can't think of a single thing that God doesn't give us. <laughs> he always gives us exactly what we need so, when we need it. So there there you go. Um, and I think this plays right along with it, is when we think of prayer. Hmm. Number six. From Psalm 139. For you formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. 
your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, as were yet none of them. So this is kind of referring to us as... Uh, as starting off our... Like, kind of like, it's a, to me, it sounds egg. like an egg. It does. It really does. I mean, if we're knit together in our mother's womb, it's because mothers have eggs. Right. And so, those, it, to me, the fascination of, when I was thinking, how in that egg, there's everything that comes at chicken, right? So, it must be very healthy. Yeah. Right? And how amazing it is that that from, like, that goo that is so delicious. Right. Especially with the runny, runny yolks. Yes. As yes. long as they're, the you know. yolk is light. Right. <laughs> oh goodness. <laughs> right? So right. uh uh how how that can form into something that pops from it, right? Yeah. And uh and so as God makes that miracle happen, and if we're just talking to eggs, what a wonderful thing it is as I'm a mother. Yeah. And for us to know that in the same way we were knit together in our mother's womb, right? Right. And uh, verse 16 is, is uh, often, uh, I'll, I'll use verse 16 to answer that, that question too. Okay? Verse, verse 16 basically says, uh, um, from Psalm 139, In your book were written all the days of my life before they came to be. Yeah. Right? Yep. So all of our days are written in God's book of life before we were born. And so what that means is, is when someone is struggling with their own mortality and they're thinking, well, the doctor only gave me so many days to live or someone has uh, surgery or someone is facing cancer. What a a comforting is to use this verse and say, say this, God's going to make sure you're going to have every day you're supposed to have. That's right. Yeah, that is a fantastic portion of our scripture. We use it for, of course, preaching, preaching the sacredness of life in the womb Mm-hmm. And as, as as we all know, uh, and I really like the portion about in verse 16, the unformed substance, your eyes saw my unformed substance. So before we looked like a baby at all, God was aware of us and had given us the days of our lives already. And and earlier in Psalm 139, and it talks about how uh, the uncertainty of, of things, and it talks about the darkness hmm. and what's scary about the darkness is you don't know what's coming, right? You don't right. know what's going to happen next. So say someone has that diagnosis. There's darkness. I don't know what's coming. Yeah. But God does. Right. You know, I think it's related. One time I had an ulcer, and I've already given the uh, the relief to the statement I've already, I've already made. It. I've already told you what the diagnosis was. But when I did not know what was going wrong, and it seemed like my health had suddenly been stolen from me, and I didn't know why things weren't working. It was darkness. It was scary. Uh, but when the doctor could tell me what was wrong, and it was something relatively common and something that there were there were steps you could take, you know. But I, it really struck me as the difference between having that darkness, something wrong, and I didn't know what it was, versus having a diagnosis and, and knowing exactly what it was. Number five. From uh, Jeremiah 17.11. Like the partridge that gathers a brood that she did not hatch, so is he who gets ridges not by justice in the midst of his days. They will leave him, and at his end he will be a fool. You all right, Vicar? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm just trying to catch up. All right. So uh, so this is, we talked about uh, the gathering up of. This is, 
you know, those who gather that is not their own. Does this say who this is speaking to in Jeremiah 17? At the very beginning of the chapter, the sin of Judah is written with a pen of iron, with a point of diamond. It is engraved on the tablet of their heart and on the horns of their altars. Let's see. You sh- I'm skipping to verse 4. You shall loosen your hand from your heritage that I gave to you, and I will make you serve your enemies in a land that you do not know. For in my anger, a fire is kindled that shall burn forever. So a strong judgment on the sin of Judah is what the chapter is about. And so this is uh, referring to, the, the, in a sense, the people being the eggs that did not catch that are in the hands of these foreign government, of mm. right? Okay, yep. And uh, they receive them not by anyone who really truly cl- they claim claims to them because uh, they are the ones that Jesus called. He is the one that created them. He is the one that gave them life in their own land and made them a people and the ones through whom the pros- promise would come. Um, but then they're given to those who don't receive them with justice. Hmm. Does that sound right? I think it does. I'm. I'm staring at it, trying to make sure I agree. <laughs> Not that that's terribly important for <laughs> for anything, I guess. Number four. We'll go to Luke 24, verse 6 and 7. He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered to the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. Now, why why would that be an egg reference? I'm thinking. <laughs> it isn't that hard, Vicar. I guess new life. Right, the crack of the grave. Ah, okay, there you go, yep. Life springing from that which seemingly was, mm-hmm. was dead. Dead. Right, all that we need to sustain us found. Mm, in the resurrection. In the resurrection. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 a it's a poetic take on that uh, Easter story. <laughs> All right, so uh, let me think. So that was number three. That was four. We're on to three now. We're on to three. All right, number three, Daniel and the Lions. Then okay, how like an egg was Daniel in the Lions' den? Uh, unexpectedly alive, I suppose, might be the right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Kind of go on the same theme also as the ark. Yeah. A fragile, seemingly fragile, and yet God took care of both situations to his glory. All right. You're, you're Mr. Revelation. Come up with one from Revelation, please. <laughs> oh, goodness. Okay. Let's see. All right. What I'm going to do is what I usually do, which is start talking and hopefully something smart comes out eventually. <laughs> <laughs> the most important part of the book of Revelation is that the risen Savior is found in the throne room of God, occupying the midst of it. And he's not, or I will say he's defined by his death and resurrection. It's kind of the elephant in the room, and it's not hidden away. It is who he is forever, the lamb who was worthy to be slain, and he's standing there in the throne room of God. Now, how that relates to an egg I don't really know, but that is the most important part of the All book right. of Revelation. Can you turn that into an egg metaphor? Um, <laughs> if not, we'll have to go with the New Jerusalem coming down right, from heaven. All right, right. How, how from that throne room burst forth 
the life, the life, the eternal life. Number two. From last Sunday's gospel reading, okay, uh, Jesus asked them, uh, how could David both, could Jesus, the, uh, the Messiah, be both David's son and David's Lord? Right. Right. And, and so what was their answer? Well, they couldn't answer. It was a goose egg. That's right. Uh, goose egg. I was going to say it was a classic chicken and egg problem, which came first, the there Lord you go. or the son. <laughs> I like it. Goose egg. And <laughs> oh, good. Well, there, if you want, I can supply one from the Google search that, that you didn't hit on yet. But okay, go ahead. Got, if you got a number one. No. All right. Well, then I let's guess. Let's see if Google does better than me. <laughs> All right. Let's see. And number one. Job chapter 39. Verse 14, she abandons her eggs on the ground and lets them be warmed in the sand. Okay. Yeah, I don't have the context yet because I'm, scram- <laughs> I'm scrambling. <laughs> <laughs> you need to look on the sunny side. Oh, yes, I do. Um, okay, I think I said it was 39.14, so now I'm there. So what is the context? Oh, it starts with the wings of the ostrich wave proudly, but are they the pinions and plumage of love? For she leaves her eggs to the earth and lets them be warmed on the ground, forgetting that a foot may crush them and that the wild beast may trample them. She deals cruelly with her young as if they were not hers. Though her labor be in vain, yet she has no fear because God has made her forget wisdom and given her no share in understanding when she rouses herself to flee, she laughs at the horse and his rider. Ah, well, that cleared it right oh, up. Oh, there you go. Well, there we got it. <laughs> no explanation. <laughs> That's the problem with Job. It's uh, I don't think you can just grab a random paragraph out of Job and, and have much hope in disentangling it. So this is either the wisdom that, like the bird who has no worries... You know, the birds in the field, they don't concern themselves and God takes care of them. It could be like that. The ostrich doesn't have to concern herself with her eggs. She's able to trust. Right. But then it laughs when the horses come. Yeah. And of course, laughs at the horse and rider because I don't know, that sounds pretty foolish to me if I'm being chased down by a horse and rider. I mean, you could maybe equate it to the birds of the air, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Not the birds of the field. That's the flowers. Right. You know, the flowers of the air and the birds of the field. (laughs) (laughs) So... So as our top tis list went, we, we got weaker and weaker. <laughs> I did. We should have done those in the other order, I suppose. So just listen right. to those backwards. Yes, right. <laughs> we started with the chicken and ended with the egg. Oh, <laughs> the goose egg. <laughs> All right. I believe this is enough of the show. Yeah. Um, if you have listener, please help us. By the way, we have a song. Oh, yeah. Well, um. That uh, we have, but I don't want, I want Berg to be here for the song. Okay. Because we, uh, we asked uh, someone to make a song of something that Vigor sang, and that has been done. Yes, it has. We <laughs> owe someone a t-shirt. And, oh, yeah. And so uh, we will be playing that. And uh, um, I don't want to comment on the quality of the song yet. Oh, it's probably a vast improvement over me singing alone. Uh, Peter listened to it, and he said... Uh, uh, I'm not sure if this is supposed to be good or bad. <laughs> right. I, I can which is which is have. clearly what we are on the Clerical Airs podcast. That's true. It's going to fit. The, the he gets culture. the show. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So thank you for listening. I'm Bull Hagen. 
This is Vicar. And may your eggs be from the field. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Or all right. How about this? We and may you be kept safe in the shells of the ark. <laughs> may your yoke be in Christ, and may it be easy. Ah, over easy. May your sunny side be up. <laughs> and uh, may your... I'm, I'm done. I'm thinking I can't give something up. <laughs> may your egg puns be better than ours. Yes. Thank you for joining us. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Questions, thoughts, concerns? You can contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast. On Twitter, at P for podcast, or email us at feedback at clericalheirs.org. Thanks for listening to Clerical Heirs. See you next time.